two Barclays analysts. One hot topic, all sides explored. This is The Flip Side. The Flip Side is a podcast series featuring lively debate between two Barclays research analysts, taking opposing viewpoints on timely topics of importance to economies and businesses around the globe. Welcome to The Flip Side. My name is Hiro Patel, and I'm the head of Sustainable Thematic Research. And with me today is Christian Keller, our head of economics research. Hi, Ral. Great to be here. Now, just a few weeks ago, we hosted a panel on artificial intelligence and productivity growth at the World Economic Forum in Davos, based on a paper Christian and his team had written on AI in collaboration with the IBM Institute for Business Value. Now, today we want to follow up on, on the discussion in Davos and the topic of AI, which seems to be one of the defining themes for 2024. Certainly is. It will be a topic that stays with us, I guess, for some time. Now, not to rehash our panel discussion in Davos too much, but just to set the tone at the outset, you share the optimism that recent developments in AI can boost productivity across economies. Yes, I think ChatGPT, or more generally, large language models, have been a crucial breakthrough in, in the AI evolution that has been actually going on for, for quite some time, decades if you want. And I believe now we could be finally at that stage where AI becomes what we economists call GPT. Actually, we used that acronym even before it became famous through ChatGPT. We call GPT a general purpose technology. That is a technology that transforms an economy and, and boosts productivity levels throughout, uh, throughout all the sectors of an economy. I appreciate your enthusiasm, but frankly, we've had this tech optimism for quite some time now. Remember how much a smartphone and all the apps and platforms it brought were touted as transformative? But as much as they may have transformed how we communicate, consume information, spend our leisure time and organize our lives, they don't really seem to have had much positive impact on labor productivity. Let's look at the data. Labor productivity growth has been around 1% to 1.5% since the early 2000s, in spite of the digitization of the economy since. That's much below the mid-1990s when these rates were, were around, what, 3 to 3.5%? Three yeah, I give you that. And um, it, it's certainly an apparent contradiction. But it's not the first time we had such a productivity puzzle, if you want. Um, you know, as Nobel laureate Robert Solo famously quipped in 1989, I was seeing computers everywhere, but in the productivity statistics. And, um, you know, this became known as a solo paradox. And... Um, you know, as you highlighted yourself, however, by the mid-90s, actually, productivity then had increased and it was growing rapidly. And so, you know, somehow Solo's paradox was resolved. So I guess your point is that it will be, as with so many phenomena in economics, just a matter of timing or better the time lag between that initial impetus and the full effect. Yeah, indeed. I, you know, if you look at the history of, of general purpose technologies, you know, steam engine, electricity, uh, computerization, you know, they all show a pretty long time lag, you know, three to four decades, in the case of a steam engine, even longer. And, and that is the time between, you know, the initial technological innovation and then when economies really show a boom in productivity growth. And, you know, the low productivity in the 2000s, which you just mentioned, and which some people call now the modern productivity paradox, may finally be resolved just by time. And so, just as, as I mentioned earlier, as a solo paradox became in the mid-90s. Sorry to insist, but why are you so sure that AI can truly be a general-purpose technology like electricity 
and not just another digital gimmick with little consequence for productivity. Well, the, the research that looked into these uh, general purpose technologies and, and their transformative effects typically found that you know, there are three criteria that are really crucial. I mean, first, the technology has to be pervasive. That means it needs to affect really most of the economy. And second, uh, it needs to continue to improve. And third, it needs to lead to complementary innovations. And you know, if you look at technologies like electricity or, or computing, they all have these characteristics. And I think if you look at AI now, it really seems to have them as well. I mean, first of all, you know, pervasiveness, certainly. If you look that modern economies now have 80% or more cognitive tasks, they all will be affected by AI. Second, um, AI by its very nature continues to improve itself. And then, you know, we already see there's a lot of additional innovation and applications around these so-called foundation models. So in my view, um, you know, AI does seem to tick all the boxes of a general purpose technology. Okay, then. So let's take it as a given. AI will be transformative. But let's be realistic on the timing. As you mentioned yourselves, we may need to wait decades until seeing this. How much will the increase in labor productivity actually be? Ultimately, the question is whether positive economic growth rates can be sustained, right? Because besides technology, there are so many other factors. Most importantly, the accelerating demographic change in most advanced economies that suggests output will expand at much slower rates, if at all, in the future. Those are valid points. Uh, let me try to address them one by one. First, on the question of timing. So hopefully the productivity improvement that come with AI should not be necessarily a matter of decades, but hopefully rather you know, years or let's say a decade. And, and the reason for that, I think, is that a lot of the digital infrastructure that we need to implement AI, you know, internet, computer networks, data centers, they already exist. I mean, there needs to be possibly more investment into them. They need to be extended, but expanded, but in, in principle, they are there. Um, and another important point is that the ease of access uh, that generative AI provides. That means people can you know, use prompts in plain English rather than learning complicated code. And that really should help also to, you know, to, to uh, make AI-based processes adapted relatively quickly throughout the economy. But the need for additional computing power and the related energy needs should not be underestimated here. There's also the need for complementary spending on training and potentially redesigning business processes, without which AI cannot unfold its full effect on productivity. Very true. Indeed, the history of general purpose technologies actually shown that these complementary investments that you mentioned, they don't only take time, but they may actually exceed the cost of the core investment. So for example, you know, in the first wave of computerization, the spending on training and redesigning business processes actually exceeded probably the spending on physical computer infrastructure initially. And I guess all I'm saying here is that we are not at the beginning of a new technology, say like electricity. You know, when the first light bulb patent was in 1879 or so, and then one had to build all the infrastructure for a fully electrified economy. With AI, and digitization, we're much further along the road already. And so we don't have to really start from the very beginning. Okay, but you still need to answer the question about what kind of increase in labor productivity would you expect? Well, let's start with what we've seen uh, in the past with general purpose technology breakthroughs. I mean, 
You mentioned it already with the electrification in the mid-20s and the first wave of computerization in the mid-90s. We saw annual growth of labor productivity around 3 3.5%. So if, if AI was to achieve that, even that would be about doubling or tripling the productivity growth rate that we experienced in recent years. Still, such numbers sound quite down-to-earth compared to some of the other expectations of how AI could alter our productivity. Yeah, and you know, it's just so extremely difficult to predict. But you know, if we look at sectors or certain tasks where we have you know, implementing AI and where we have some feedback already, um, for example, you know, let's say help customer service agents, you know, the reported productivity gains were typically in double digits and sometimes even over 30%, in particular actually among those with least experience in the job. So those are double-digit gains, but then in aggregate, you know, if we look at the economy-wide increase in labor productivity growth, that would likely be lower. But I think you know, chances are good that we see significant pickup in productivity growth. I guess the question is also how long such higher productivity growth rates would sustain. It seems that after a few years of the high labor productivity growth you mentioned for the 1920s and the 1990s, the growth rates came quickly down again. They remained positive, but the boost in the annual growth rates was only temporary. I think that's an excellent point. And maybe here is where AI is actually different. Not necessarily how high the productivity growth will be in any year, but we may be looking into a more persistent higher labor productivity growth rate. And that is because, as we mentioned earlier, AI constantly improves itself. That's its very nature. And, and these improvements then can be shared pretty much instantaneously across the globe. So that would suggest that, you know, you could have more persistent higher labor productivity growth rates year by year. And then, of course, you're going to get cumulative effects. And as we all know, those are very powerful. And so the hope is that this could offset the decline in actual labor force in many advanced economies. As I mentioned earlier, in many advanced economies, the working age population is now declining. And in extreme cases such as Italy, this decline could be about 1.5% annually by the end of the decade. Yes, there may be migration and perhaps also changes to what is considered working age, but the main hope must be for higher labor productivity to offset this lack of labor supply. Without it, it's difficult to really see how these economies' GDPs can continue to expand. That's true. And, and even if aggregate GDP may always grow somewhat less in a shrinking population, if we achieve higher productivity growth, it will still boost the per capita GDP growth. And that enhances, obviously, the wealth per person. Um, but now imagine what higher labor productivity could do to aggregate GDP growth in emerging and developing economies where you actually still have a growing labor force, but a labor force that so far had relatively low productivity. In principle, that may be true, but isn't AI rather a risk for these economies and their workers? Robotics and automation has already replaced many jobs in manufacturing, which used to be the main driver to boosting productivities in emerging economies. Poor rural workers with low productivity moved into urban areas, taking on more productive manufacturing jobs in factories. Now AI can even replace jobs in service industries, where digitization has created new opportunities such as call centers. 
So why should AI be a boon for emerging economies? Yeah, that's a fair question. And the question of automation is indeed a very crucial question. But I don't think it's specific to emerging or developing economy. It's a question whether AI will mainly augment the abilities of workers or whether it fully substitutes them. And um, so far, the evidence is actually quite optimistic in the sense that AI, what we've seen so far, has mainly really augmented workers' ability rather than replace them. And this varies across occupations and functions. For example, you know, automation seems more likely in certain areas like marketing, customer services, uh, human resources. But it, it's less, let's say, in procurement, risk compliance, even in finance. Yes, we're trying to explore this ourselves in research. Feedback suggests that by having repetitive tasks automated, workers feel like they have more time to focus on the tasks that they have an edge or are extremely passionate about. Exactly. So that's a positive. And what makes me also optimistic about developing emerging economies workers is that a lot of the early surveys and tests seems to show that um, the less skilled workers actually report the highest productivity gains from help, for example, from AI-driven digital assistance. And so I think that's potentially positive news for emerging and developing economies. Sounds promising, but we are still in early stages. If the productivity gains are as large as you referenced earlier, wouldn't corporations consider having fewer workers to do a particular task? That's true. I mean, we are still in an early experimental phase, and eventually, when one has successful implementation, one would expect that you know, there's reduced need for some jobs because you know, people are so productive, or there will be also a full automation of some tasks. Um, But that really has always been the case with any new technology throughout history, really. And um, what then happens is typically that new jobs emerge, often jobs we cannot imagine right now. And um, and those jobs then offer new employment opportunities. And frankly, over history, those were often then the more pleasant, more productive jobs uh, than the ones that were automated away. Yes, but that still can be a disruptive process for workers and companies. What seems key, in my view, is whether AI will mostly augment the skills of humans rather than to mimic their skills in order to replace their jobs. I guess the good news is that confronted with ongoing demographic change and a shortage of labor, companies have a stronger incentive, right, to keep workers and try to reskill them in areas where AI affects the jobs that they have done this far. Yeah, I think that's what you and I certainly also heard in, in Davos from, from some of those uh, companies. Um, but I still think you know, public policy will probably have to play a role as well. For example, you know, how flexible are educational systems? Do they enable lifelong learning? Uh, do education systems in emerging and developing economies provide workers with the basic skills to actually you know, be complemented by AI rather than being replaced? Um, Taxation systems also important, you know, in particular taxation between labor versus capital. Are they properly designed for a world where AI and robotics will play an increasing role? Um, we don't have the answers yet, but I think this will be a, a debate. And also, you know, these are questions where we need possibly fundamentally rethink existing systems. I guess one big question is also whether AI will also reinforce that trend of winner-takes-all outcomes, where scaling and network effects leads to that ongoing concentration of power 
I guess, at the expense of innovation and labor income share. We have researched such effects already as a consequence of the digitization in business models over the past decades, and AI looks as if it could further accelerate such trends. I agree. AI essentially depends on data access and computing power. And this suggests that scaling and network effects will play an important role. And this is probably why we currently see that the large leading tech companies are essentially in a race to outspend each other as to have the best AI model. But at the same time, and I find that encouraging, is from what I understand that open resource and niche players that work on smaller models, on local data, on more specific tasks, are also making progress. So I assume the role of antitrust policy, which already has become a focus in, in recent years, will become even more important with the AI revolution. Um, data, ownership, transparency, these issues will play an even larger role. Let's circle back on the point you raised earlier on taxation, because surely that's the best way to rebalance the costs and benefits of AI in favor of society. So introduce an AI tax that is able to address expected job losses. That would work, right? I, I'm not so sure about this concept of an AI tax. I mean, what specifically would we be taxing? That, that's my concern. Is it, you know, does it view AI as a taxable person? Or is it targeting the actual owner of the AI technology? Well, that sounds complicated. Some also mentioned to charge companies a levy on the level of redundancies made due to AI. Yeah, I, I'm not sure whether that's an ideal solution either, as probably we don't want to prevent change in innovations. But I think what does need to be addressed is probably that, you know, there shouldn't be a bias towards capital-intensive over labor-intensive solutions by charging you know, lower marginal taxes on capital than on labor. And that is often the case today. And um, so while there are no easy or ready solutions, we certainly need to start to think how to adjust our various policies to an AI world, so to say. Taking a step back, there is little doubt that AI will be a game changer to global productivity. However, guardrails will need to be in place to ensure the costs to society are fairly managed. I think we can both agree that regulation is unlikely to be the saving grace here. But it will be interesting to see how governments respond, because to your point, Christian, it's still unclear on how we ensure these AI productivity gains will be shared by society. Well, that's all that we have time for. Thank you, Christian, for joining me, and thank you to our listeners. We'll catch you next time on the flip side. For more on the topic, read our latest Impact Series report titled AI Revolution, Productivity Boom and Beyond, available now on our website. Alternatively, clients of the Corporate Investment Bank can log on to Barclays Live for more insights on this and other topics. That's all for now from this Barclays podcast. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time on the flip side. For more insights on this topic, clients can log into Barclays Live or find out more at barclays.com/cib.